Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm right there in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, it's that moment that we've all been waiting for. It's arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the soon-to-be best-selling author, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, dog? Got a nice ring to it. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? I thought so, so I added it in. <laughs> I'm the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast version 395, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. And you know, I snuck that in the book. Yeah, you did. You told me that, which is fantastic. I'm looking forward to reading it. I see it comes out October 24th. Is that right? Uh, that's in flux. It could be earlier than that. Okay. All right. Yeah. So one of our Jam fans had tweeted at us that he'd already pre-ordered the book. Uh, yeah. And I appreciate that. A few folks have gotten into it. Uh, it's, it's. I mean, I wrote it, so I'm biased, but it's a look that you've never seen because, and here's why, it's not an infomercial, although it's turning into one because we're supposed to be talking about greening law, but um almost no coach outside of Bobby Knight with John Feinstein Feinstein has given a reporter complete access to his program. Yeah. Most of the time they give you a lot of access, but they don't give you complete access. And so I had complete access. Meetings, bus rides, plane rides, the whole shebang. So and then, you know, I could just do with it what I wanted to or what the story told. So that's that's what makes it different than most other books. Plus it's Dion who's fascinating. Yeah, it's I'm very much looking forward to it. It's on my list for later in the year because I, you know, I, I go through I just add stuff to my Kindle wish list. So I've got like a, a slew list of books that I just add. So when they come out, it automatically pops up and all that. So, oh, OK, that's one way to do it. That yeah, that's how I like to do it. Otherwise, because I mean, it's like I, I just finished reading a book earlier this week on Tuesday. And so Tuesday night, I'm sitting there. Or maybe it, was, it doesn't matter. So I'm sitting there going, well, what am I going to read next? And I really had no idea. What am I going to read next? And so I go through my Kindle wish list, and that makes it easy. And then sometimes I just, like, for whatever reason, I'll add stuff on Kindle. But in the moment, i like, man, I don't want to read that right now. I'm okay. just, I'm feeling like I want to stay on the level of whatever my previous book is or what have you. So I'm a weird book reader. Because I just zip was- through them, so... Oh, I know. But what does weird mean? The fact that you zip through them or the fact that you stay in a certain genre for a minute before well, you bounce to a different I, one? I jump around a lot. Like people go, well, what do you like to read? I read fiction and nonfiction. And they're like, okay, in nonfiction, 
I'm all over the map. Fiction for me is real easy because I like to read the Harry Bosch character type guy, the Jack Reachers, Orphan X, that style of fiction. But my nonfiction, I mean, I've read about aging and longevity and food and history and airplanes. And it just, I'll see something like, oh, that sounds interesting. I, and it's a true story. I want to know more about this. So I'll just read it. Okay, I got you. I read a lot of biographies. I read like the most recent nonfiction book I wrote is the one that they're turning into a movie that Martin Scorsese is doing his next Leo movie that comes out, I think, later this year. It's called Killers of the Flower Moon, which is about the and it is it's a true story. And reading the book sounds like you're watching a fictional movie. It's it's a the story is insane about the Osage Indians in Oklahoma who discovered that they had oil on their land and somebody mysteriously was making them in some, in some instances, it was very obvious they were murdered. In other instances, they were being poisoned. They were being wiped out in the way that the money would get transferred and all this back in like the 1910s and 1920s that was wiping out the Osage Indians. And it really helped to create the beginning of the FBI from what was known as the Bureau of Investigation into the Federal Bureau of Investigation because of this case. Well, now. Yeah, okay. so. That's interesting. Yeah, the, 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 the read is, I mean, there are times I just put it down and I'm just going, I'd say out loud, like, what in the world? Like, how is this, how is this a real story? But the dude who did it, I mean, you talk about researching a book, man. And so then Scorsese picked it up and they're turning it into a movie, so. I decided to read that, but so there you go. There's a book for today. I was going to tell you about another book in the block, but I told you about that one now. So good for you. All right. Well, let's tell them about Greening Law. We need to. We need to get going, man, because we've been out for a couple of days because of the holiday weekend. So I know all of you are eager to hear our thoughts on a variety of things. None of this happens without our great sponsors. And at the top of that list is the best man. It's Greening Law. I think most of you are aware by now, I worked with Greening Law for a year and a half, and I will tell you this, if you are hurt in a car accident, injured on the premises of a business, if you had injury to your person, what happens? If it's not your fault, you got to go to the emergency room, you got these medical bills, and you start going, what the hell, I didn't do anything wrong, and then you start calling insurance companies, and it, you, you, it's, it's a really weird world to navigate, that's why you need an expert, and I can tell you this, at the top of my list, is Greening Law. Robert Greening and his green team, they go to bat for you against the insurance companies to make sure that you get taken care of. And, you know, I think Matt hit the uh, nail in the proverbial head when he said, if you've been hurt and it's not your fault and you've been injured and damaged, you need some compensation for it. And people to go to and ask for help is Greening Law. And here's, the process is pretty easy. If that has happened to you, sadly, you just pick up the phone, you give them a call at 972-934-8900, and you say, hey, here's my situation, what do you think? If they tell you you've got a case, and they get back to you pretty quickly, as Matt will tell you, um, then it's been your lucky day because they'll right, fight for you, they'll grind for you. And the thing about them is it doesn't cost you anything, not a nickel, not a dime, not a quarter. You pick up the phone and say, hey, here's my deal, what do you think? And then if they bring you on as a client, they don't get paid unless you get paid. So they're always working for you. They're always grinding for you. They're always trying to make sure that uh, they're, they're working in your best interest. And it doesn't really get any better than that. It does not, my friend. It's the way to do it. If you find yourself in that unfortunate circumstance, do not fret because Greening Law is there. Call them now, 972-934-8900. Keep in mind, the call, the consultation, absolutely free. 
972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening, offices Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas, man, these Dallas Mavericks have been busy. So since we last did our, our podcast, and it's been, we took off a couple of episodes, so you only missed two, if you're wondering. They've been busy in free agency. And I think one of the benefits, and we can give Kyrie crap for all the weird stuff he did, but to be fair, ever since the Mavericks have acquired him, and this can change in a hurry based on his past history, but ever since the Mavericks have acquired him, he has been a model NBA team player. Right. In that small amount of time. I'm not considering anything else around that. He's done everything right. He even in free agency, because there was a thought that he was going to meet with the Suns. He might meet with other teams, try to force the Mavs hand. It may draw it out a little bit. That dude signed pretty much right after free agency opened. We knew Kyrie was coming back to the Mavs and he did it for less than the max, which actually helps them in the long term that he didn't go out and try to say, look, I want the max or you're screwed. He took the three years for the 124 million, whatever it is. It's really two years with the player option, which I got to imagine he'll opt into. But you don't have him for four years or five years as he ages, and you didn't have to max him out, which, again, helps you with your cap situation. I mean, I think the reality is, the true reality is, he didn't have a whole lot of options. Um, and so it, it became a win-win for both parties. The Mavericks certainly needed him after trading for him and uh, giving up what they gave to, to get him. And he certainly needed a soft landing spot and $126 million, even though he's made a bunch of money. It's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, I still sit there and wonder, what do you do with $40 million a year? I mean, I really... I, mean, I couldn't... I don't even know. I mean, I don't even know what you do. And then you get it again the next year. Like, I don't know what you do with that. Um, but it's a, it's a good situation for both. And, uh, you know, I think for the Mavericks, uh, now they've got the whole training camp and stuff to figure out how to use Kyrie and Luka together. And now I think the other thing is, man, you know, you hear this all the time. Well, how come they just didn't have him sign a two-year deal? He didn't have any options. Or he didn't have a lot of options. Just think about this, bro. You don't want Kyrie feeling like you got over on him, like you screwed him, like you hosed him, like you took advantage of him. You don't want that from him. I mean, you just don't. Some cats would be like, well, they did that, but okay, I'm going to go out and give it my best shot, whatever. We all know if he felt like that, he'd be sick every other day. He just, it just Some cats don't operate like that, man. And he's one of them, and there was no need to even go down that road. I completely agree. I When I saw that deal, I was like, man, that they are so far crushing it. It started on draft night. It continued with the re-signing of Kyrie Irving and the way that they were able to make that happen for the deal that he got. Seth Curry, I know, doesn't excite a lot of people. He's not really a guy when we say, hey, you need a three and D guy. He's the three, and he is a guy with Seth Curry that you can say, hey, run, stand in the corner. The dude is one of the best three-point shooters in the history of the NBA, literally. Like, that's not an exaggeration. You're talking about a guy who on a down year, which he had last year, shoots 41% from three. On a good year, like he had when he was with Dallas, he shoots 45% from three. He's a 43.5% career three-point shooter on a team that has two guys in Kyrie and Luka that can generate wide-open three-point shots for people. 
No, those shots are coming. There's no doubt about that. And they they came last year. The question was Reggie Bullock and and the other guys couldn't drop them down on a regular on a regular basis. Um, now you hope, not even you hope, Seth Curry can make those shots. Yeah, he was born to make those shots. We've seen him make them. He's he's made them, and he'll you know some players are built for systems. He'll be better in Dallas than he was at some other places simply because of the shots and the systems that he's going to get. Yeah. So I was. Spain, it was so cheap, man. I mean, you're talking about right now, all time in NBA history, Seth Curry is sixth all time in three-point percentage. That's pretty damn good. And his brother, Steph, he's actually higher than his brother. Now, obviously, Steph is shooting a ton more, and, and is. I'm not saying that he's a better player, so don't read it that right. way. I'm just saying, factually, he's a better three-point shooter. And we can all giggle about that a little bit, but they're about the same. I mean, he just doesn't have the volume and all that. The other move that they go out and make, and again, I like all of this. I even like the fact that they went out and re-signed Dwight Powell because it was so cheap to get a veteran dude who can rotate in that Luca absolutely loves and is a huge behind-the-scenes leader and teammate. When you got Dwight Powell bringing him back for $4 million a year, which is... I mean, $4 million a year in the NBA, it, it sounds so weird to say this because $4 million a year to any of us would blow our minds. In the NBA, that's like you pulled that dude out of the Walmart. Hey, it's our Black Friday bargain basement. Bro, I mean, think about it. We're talking about what is Kyrie going to do with $40 million? So what is $4 million? I mean, obviously, it's 10% of that, but yeah. it's chump change in today's NBA. And he just got through making, I think, 10 or 11. So he took a 66% pay cut. The other two moves, one, as we record this, is still up in the air, but the one that we know that was reported on Wednesday night, I believe it was, and this is a huge signing, when Brown from Denver decided that he was not going to take less, like the Mavs just, he was way out of what the Mavs could afford. So they dropped down to, what do we just mention? They need a 3 and D guy. So they had identified Boston's Grant Williams as a 3 and D guy, a dude who plays very good defense, who hits threes at a 40% clip. And so they are going to acquire Boston's Grant Williams in an offer sheet match. It is a four-year deal that is fully guaranteed for, I want to say it's $54 million. The dude is 24 years old. So just now entering his prime, you look at his numbers and the numbers don't blow you away. But the fact that he is now probably the best defender on the team, you move Reggie Bullock off when you make this trade. He's going to go to San Antonio as this was a three-team trade between Dallas, the Celtics, and the Spurs. And now you get a dude, like I said, who turns 25 towards the beginning of the season. He's already got four years in the NBA. And the last two years, 41% from three, 40% from three. This is exactly the type of player that this dude will make the Mavs team better. Well, dude, he's he's what you look for prototype when you talk about three and D. Um, Now, he fell out of favor in Boston uh, because he he, he didn't shoot well, fell out of the rotation during the playoff run. But uh, for the Mavericks, man, you know, here's the thing, man. We spent all last year talking about they're not just a bad defensive team. They're a pathetic defensive team. And when you add somebody like him, he immediately brings the attitude to defense. 
and we add him with Jason Kidd and some things that Jason Kidd did his first year here, hopefully they can get back to being a competitive defensive team. You add Kyrie, you add Luka with offense, and all of a sudden you've got a team that should be in the mix again. Um, as a really good team, a top four team in the West, um, you know, and be able to make some playoff noise. Yeah, and the other thing is, and we don't know if this is going to happen or not, it sounds like Matisse Thibel is going to sign an offer sheet with the Mavs. Will that get matched remains to be seen, but Williams, I believe, is 6'6". He's a big, he's a thick dude, man. He's like 6'6", 240. And then you've got Thibel, if they were able to get him, who's 6'5", he's 26 years old. He's another 3 and D wing guy. And, and, and so now all of a sudden... Him. If you can bring him in, you all of a sudden are surrounding Luca and Kyrie. And with Seth Curry, I don't, he's not going to start, but somebody can at least come off the bench. None of these dudes need the ball in their hands. And, and right. Seth Curry, I'm not saying this about because he's not a guy that you look at for defense, but they've added some defensive pieces with Omax in the draft and Derek Lively, guys that you can say, hey, defend, defend, defend. And then with a couple of them, you say, look, defend in an offense, run to the corner. Luka and Kyrie will get you the ball if you're open. And then just drain threes. Dude, uh, Typo is supposed to be kind of like the best on the ball defender in the game right now. Or he's certainly in the conversation based on everything you read and hear yeah. about him. So if you add those two guys, and Williams can cover multiple of uh, positions, you're just putting yourself – in a spot where now if the offense is what it normally is and with those two playmakers you've got, how about this? When you get leads, it's a lot more difficult to blow them because you have defensive players. Yeah. Um, I mean, somebody's got to play defense. Somebody's got to be excited to play defense. And these are the kind of guys who are. And when they are, what does, what does it naturally do? It naturally takes up everybody else's intensity on the defensive end. It just naturally happens because you see guys out there creating turnovers, making plays, getting deflections, making people have to take tough shots. And all that over the course of a game is just a beatdown for the opposition. Yeah, and, and so we'll see how it goes because, again, it's, it's an offer sheet that is believed to be in the range of three years and $33 million dollars. Again, keep in mind, this dude is a two-time all-defensive team member. Yeah. And he's 26 years old. Now, that being said, um, when you sign a restricted free agent, you do your research on him. I think Portland offered him. I think he made $4 million last year. Portland offered him six, I think. And so I don't think, based on what I've read, the Mavericks don't expect Portland to match it. Doesn't mean they won't, but the Mavericks don't expect them to match it, and they structured it in a way – they would make it a little more difficult for them to match it. Yeah, and if they wanted to, that's what's being reported that's out there because, and, and we'll see. I mean, I mean, there's they still have the mid-level exception, and the NBA cap is so weird with all these exceptions and how this impacts and everything. But, man, if they can get him, and you're talking about a dude that who has been in the NBA for four years and in two of those years is an all-defensive second-teamer in the past two seasons, and you add him to Grant Williams and you add him to... And again, I don't know how much Derek Lively is going to actually get into the rotation as a rookie. And I, I expect absolutely zero from him on offense. But just as a dude with his wingspan, if you can get out there and block some shots from time to time, they recognize the problem. And 
if nothing else, you cannot fault the Mavs from going after it and trying to say, okay, look, we, we see what's wrong and we're, we're going to do our best to fix it with what's available to us. No, they've done, they've done a heck of a job for a team that had one draft pick going into the offseason and no expectations from a fan base that is used to not, which is used to them not pulling off anything. So, um, no, nah, man, they, they've had a splendid offseason. They get uh, tie ball to sign um, and, and Portland out to match. Uh, dude, awesome. You, give, you pick up two of the best wing defenders in the league and you re-sign Kyrie so that your your offense most nights is going to be good. Uh, you got Seth Hardaway, I mean Seth uh, Curry, Tim Hardaway, uh, although they keep trying to move him. But even if you can't move him, he's a guy we know can shoot a three. He's just streaky about it. Uh, it's a good roster, man. I don't know if it's a championship roster, but it's an intriguing roster, and it's a competitive roster, and that's what we require, man. Just compete, and let's see how it turns up. Yeah, th- this is, again, on paper, a roster that is not struggling to make the play-in. This is a roster no. that can actually legit get a playoff spot. Now, what they do when they get into the playoffs, I don't know. Are they going to no, make it again? Nobody expected the Western Conference Finals run a couple years ago, and, and with Luka and Kyrie... You, you just never know, man. No, and, and, you know, the other thing is, again, when you're talking about, um, what's the word I'm looking for? When, you, when you're talking about playoffs, what are you talking about? Hard-nosed, defensive, half-court basketball. That's when Williams and Tabo, Tybo would, would come in a bigger factor because the game yeah. slows down and you need those guys to play defense. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I will say this. I was – at the end of the Mavs season, when they missed the play-in and they lost on purpose to keep number 10, in my head, I thought, okay, so we're just going to go through the motions and the writing is on the wall and Luka's going to KD us in four years. And now after this offseason, I've got some excitement for the Mavs again. I'm really excited to see, especially if they can get ball to come in, I'm really excited to see what this team can be with a full season of Kyrie going through the offseason with Luka learning how to play with each other even more so with these additional pieces, I think there's some reason for excitement. And I'm not talking about NBA championship level excitement, but at least excitement to make some noise in the West and be a competitive threat. Dude, that's all we're talking about. Just be who you, who you should be. A uh, big market, competitive team is competing for a championship. And competing for a championship is a lot different than winning it. But competing just means you're competing. You're in a conversation. Your team, somebody got to deal with. And nobody wanted to deal with the Mavericks on their way to the championship. That's what we're talking about. So as we continue onward, we will get into a trip around the block and throw out a couple things here for you. But before we do that, as always, man, again, we can't keep doing this if our sponsors aren't here with us. And when you guys call them and use them, it helps us. So we appreciate you doing that. And I know a lot of you that need to call Flow Air because Flow Air Heating and Air, it's, look, I'm flying into Dallas this weekend for a quick weekend trip. I already know it's going to be 100 degrees when I get there. And I've been looking at the forecast. It's not, there's no relief in sight. Your air conditioning unit's not getting any relief either. It's constantly running. Then it turns itself off because it's going to explode if it doesn't. So then you warm up and then it comes back on and it's a never-ending cycle. Flow Air Heating and Air You need to keep them top of mind this time of the year when it's hot like this. They're family-owned, they're local, they're veteran-owned. They are the company that I would recommend that you need to use. And here's the thing, man. They're easy to use. 
which means and they're they're only a text away. Like I told y'all recently, a friend of mine was inquiring about whether they could help her at her business. And I just sent a text to him, say, hey, uh, I got a potential client wants to know if you can help with their business. Got a text back within about uh, five or six minutes. Added a follow-up question, got another text back and said, okay, you guys are on your own. Uh, hope y'all can make it work. But here's the thing. That's how quick the response was, man. They're 24-7. They're open weekends, holidays. It doesn't matter. If you need help, they got you. Now, who doesn't want a company like that, bro? They're exactly what I'm looking for, man. And, and the fact the fact that you can just text them, which sometimes makes it a lot easier, just, hey, here is what I need. Can you help me? It, it just, for whatever reason, I like that a lot. You can call them or you can text them. It's Flow Air Heating and Air. They service all of Dallas-Fort Worth and the best part, that 24-7 emergency service. When you wake up in the middle of the night and you're sweating and you don't know why and you realize your AC unit's having a problem, it's Flow Air Heating and Air, 817-808-4115. Text them right now. Let them know. Hey, I'm a Jam fan. I heard about you guys on the podcast. Here's my problem. 817-808-4115. You can find out more information online as well. It's Flow Air Heating and Air, flowairtx.com. Also, of course, we were talking about this before we started recording. No surprise that Jacques was at Freeway Tire Shop a couple of days ago. As he's always got something, and a lot of it is, is that you drive so much that you like making sure that your cars are taken care of, and nobody does it better than JR and the elite crew at Freeway Tire Shop. It's not just that, man, but because I paid my cars off, they're all old, <laughs> which means there's always something going wrong with them. Uh, but but here's the deal. The other day, uh, it, was, it was yesterday, as a matter of fact, I was getting inspections for my cars. Uh, I need three of them. So got them done. Uh, no problem. Rolled in, rolled out. said, hey, see you in 10 minutes. Be right back. <laughs> Went and got them. But that's the beauty of Freeway Tire and JR, man. Whether you need a set of tires, which I've had from there. Whether you need some engine work done. They completely rebuilt the engine on the Challenger. Whether you need an inspection, which I had done on a couple cars yesterday. JR and his crew can fix it for you. Uh, the thing about them is, and the reason why I go to them, trust, man. It's simple as that. Trust them to diagnose what's wrong with your car if you need more than an inspection. You can trust them to use quality parts to fix it. You can trust them to charge you a fair price. And then what I like best, you can trust them to stand behind his work. And let me tell you, man, JR is a working man. I saw him pull up yesterday, uh, get out of his truck. And he hadn't, I mean, literally get out of his truck and go right into the bay and start helping one of his mechanics with a problem. It was funny as hell to me. But uh, that's Freeway Tire, man, the working man's car repair. That's the way to do it. It's freewaytireshop.com. You can find them online or just swing by just north of downtown Dallas, the mechanic you can trust at Freeway Tire Shop. So a couple of things I wanted to throw out here on the block. And, and the first one is going to be, I had heard that this was coming. And then on Wednesday night, I started seeing a bunch of people tweeting out about it. People are fed up with Twitter. And Originally, when Elon Musk started to say, hey, you want to keep your blue check mark? It's going to cost you money. And then that was a frustration because it one of the ways to not get duped, especially with what we do, like when you're on the air and, oh my God, a, a huge trade, or I can't believe they just signed this free agent, whatever. Right. You would say, okay, I know I can roll with this because this is actual legit Albert Breer who's tweeting it out or actual legit Ian Rappaport, whatever the case is. Well, now right. a lot of those dudes didn't, when they started charging for blue check marks, people are like, I'm not paying for this. And so that went away. 
it didn't really, it's, it's more of a, you got to dig a little bit more, but it's not that big of a deal. And then last weekend, and this is when I started to say, okay, somebody needs to come out with an alternative to this because Elon Musk decided that if you don't pay for Twitter, he's going to put a limit on how many tweets per day that you can read. And I didn't know what was going on because I was scrolling through Twitter like I normally do. And all of a sudden I get messages, your rate limit has been exceeded. So I can't read anything. I'm like, what the hell? So I Google it and find out, oh, this is a new thing. If you don't pay for Twitter, you will only be able to have access to a certain amount of tweets per day. I'm like, you've defeated the purpose, bro. Yes. You killed your own thing. So then you start seeing in response that a couple of companies... Facebook, which is now known as Meta, by the way, which also owns Instagram, had been working on a new Twitter-like app called Threads. Now, originally, a few days ago, it was an invite-only, hey, we're kind of beta testing this, we want to see how it works and make sure that we're good. But I think what happened was, from what I've read, they realized that they could hit right now because people are fed up with Twitter. And we're all kind of looking for an alternative to see if it'll work. So on Wednesday night, I start seeing a bunch of people that I follow. Hey, find me on Threads. And I I went and I looked it up. And so Threads is launched. And it's an Instagram-based. It's exactly like Twitter. But there's no limits. I think that you can tweet a lot more. Like, they're not going to restrict you. I like the setup of it. And now people are frustrated with Threads. Because I joined Threads. Right. And a lot of people are jumping in on this. And I don't know how much I'm going to use it, but I've seen people complaining, oh, it's not in chronological order. And I'm seeing tweets from people I don't follow. And then I've, I've read some things. Hey, this is threads is literally like five days old. (laughs) And, and, and I'm sitting here going some, one of my guys that follows me tweeted at me and he said, well, I'm going to stick with Twitter because threads is trash. I was like, were you expecting it to be perfect the way you want it five days in? Right. Not going to happen, bro. It's going to take them some time. I like the setup of it. Now, yes, they need to make sure they get it in a chronological order. And I've read some stuff. That, hey, the more that that people start using it and the more people you follow, like they're just populating your thread right now because most people aren't following enough people. But once right. you start following a lot of people like we all do anyway, then you're only going to see those and it'll start. The algorithms will start working and it'll the whole thing will work a lot better. It just takes time. Yeah, because they don't have enough people right now. Right, uh, and so I, I'm curious to see where this goes. But and why'd you why'd you pick Threads over Spill? I have not even heard of Spill, so I don't know. Oh, I guess that's why. That would be why. Yes, <laughs> I would pick. Um, I would pick. Uh, I would pick Threads just because at least Facebook has a track record. Yes, know, with Instagram has a track record, so. You know, you, you can feel like, uh, okay, fine. They, they got something on to it. Yeah. And again, like I said, I kind of like the setup of it. I like the way that it, it just, it feels good. Like when I'm on it and I'm scrolling, it's, it's, I mean, it is exactly like Twitter, but for whatever reason, it, it just, I, I think this one might actually catch on and we'll see. Like I said, I mean, let's see where this goes. Let's see how many people start jumping over there. And eventually, if enough people start jumping over there, we're all going to look at this and we'll go back. And it may be one of those things. You know what? Remember MySpace? Because we were all on MySpace. Bro. And then Facebook came around. And I was like this with Facebook. 
I was like, I don't know, man, I'm on MySpace and it's the same thing. Then all of a sudden everybody was on Facebook and MySpace just went away. <laughs> um, see, I think Elon thought, thinks it can't go away, but bro, Blockbuster went away. Kodak went away. You can go away. Easily. Easily this can be defeated. I can tell you that flat out. And I think the time now, because Elon finally, like I didn't care about the pay for thing. I was like, who cares? I'm not going to pay for it. I don't need that. But if you're going to force us I mean, and again, the thing of it is, Twitter had been the way that it was for how, like, what, 12 years, 13 years, however long it had been around. And then Elon Musk comes in and immediately just changes from what had made it so very successful for years and years. And you sit there and go, well, I'm not going to do that because I've already been doing this for 12 years. <laughs> um, I was talking to somebody the other day. He basically just came in and just torched it, man. He took a, he took a good thing that was making money and he he literally just destroyed it in about six months and it's uh, it's really a good business lesson of how you can take something successful and if you don't really understand it and how it works or you get greedy or make bad moves you can really waste 44 billion dollars and turn it into nothing yeah and, and you know that's kind of where it is with this thing man where and it's interesting because now i got to decide do I want to change my, because again, you can, if you're on Instagram, it just pulls over everything off your Instagram, your bio, your name, all that. And you use that for your threads. Well, my Twitter handle is McMatt radio. My Instagram is just McLaren, my last name. Right. And so now I'm like, do I want to change my Instagram to McMatt radio? So it's the same on everything. Even though I've just, you know, I always thought it was cool on Instagram. It's just, I'm the only, like, it's my last name. If you know my last name, you can find me super easy. Right, right. So I don't know, but it's it's interesting. So we'll see if this one works. We will see if it catches on, but it looks like it's off to a good start because, again, I mean, I, Albert Breer jumped over there, like Bob Sturm jumped over there, Jason Stark, Matthew Berry, the fantasy football guy, Rappaport. I mean, a lot of these dudes have announced, hey, I'm also over here. And I think the more sports media figures that go over there, it'll hold it up, at least for sports media purposes. No, I think so, because we're we're all seeking, for the most part, the same thing. Yeah. A trustworthy information site. I mean, that's what I do. That's why I'm on Twitter. It's a um, it's the best aggregator. And as we've discussed, you can find out the truth about something or or hear a rumor real quick and figure out whether it's true or not or do the work yourself and figure it out. And uh, it only takes, you know, a couple minutes. And so we're all looking for the same thing. So all the sports people will be on one spot because then you can do the same thing you've always done. It's just a matter of what spot it's going to be. Yeah, so we'll see how it goes. But everybody's looking for a new alternative. And, and Elon finally pissed off enough people with the rate limit thing where we all said, okay, if, if, if we're going to keep running into things like this, because before everybody, oh, Elon's going to destroy Twitter. And I was like, I don't really right. see the impact of anything he's done. Sure as hell saw it with my rate limit being exceeded. And like, wait, I can only see so many tweets a day. <laughs> really? Nah, I'm, I'm, I am, I am the ripe customer for threads. Cause I am looking for an alternative after I hit that bro. And so if Threads yeah. is it, I'm in. Matter of fact, I was trying to figure out how you sign up for Threads. How do you sign up for Threads? You got to download the app. And then when you download the app, you just log into it. And if you have an Instagram account, it'll automatically get you on and everything. Oh, 
that would be the uh, yeah if you don't have an instagram account i don't know i guess you would have to create a thread or start an account from scratch or something i don't really know no okay no that that makes sense yeah you know it's just the instagram i think i used an account that i don't normally use when i signed up for instagram Inst- Inst- whatever it's called <laughs> ig there you go you can figure it out. I believe in you. Yes, I shall. Thank you for the confidence. So the other thing I wanted to throw out, now we were talking about a book that I read at the beginning, and I wanted to throw this book out. Do you remember the 1995 Michael Mann movie, Heat? Yeah. With Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Right, right, right. Well, I didn't realize this, but late last year, actually it might have been like August or September of last year, Michael Mann released his first ever novel, Heat 2. And it is a sequel and a prequel all in one book to the movie Heat. And so it takes the characters that Al Pacino and Robert De Niro played and Val Kilmer and their crew and that whole thing. And it shows you kind of what happened. Probably like the book jumps around a lot, which is I actually thought it was really cool. And it goes to show you what Pacino's character was up to. And it kind of goes all the way back to 1988, seven years before the infamous gun battle that ended up in the deaths of the main part of the crew and Val Kilmer escaping and that whole thing. So it goes that, like it starts off, I mean, the immediate aftermath, the immediate hours after the bank shootout, what happened to Val Kilmer's character? And then it kind of explains what he's going through. Then it jumps back to like 1988 to show you, okay, this is kind of a little bit of real background on these guys and where they came from and some of the scores that they did before they even got into what happened in the movie Heat. And then it shows you, man, I think I want to say it goes like to 98 or 99, maybe even 2000, like five years after the events of the movie Heat and kind of shows you where... His name's Chris, the character that Val Kilmer played. What is he up to now? What is he doing? How did Al Pacino's character get to be with the LAPD? And what is he up to now? This whole, And man, right. it is it is a re- awesome read. If you liked the movie Heat, the fact that they went so deep on these characters and you learn where they were and where they went, and then I learn that they're turning Heat 2 into a movie... Uh, you knew that was coming. And Al Pacino was signed on board for it. And there is, apparently, he is going to write another movie or write another book, Heat 3, that will follow this even deeper. And that the idea is they're going to have a trilogy of Heat movies, which is really wild because, I mean, we're coming up, it was 30 years ago when the original Heat movie came out. Hmm. But I got to tell you, man, I, I mean... There was one day over the holiday weekend where I had a lot of free time and I probably read for three or four hours because I could not put this thing down. Is that right? Yes. How long is it? Man, it is like almost 500 pages. Oh my. Yeah, it's a read. (laughs) He poured his heart and soul into that. Yes. And I don't know, man. It's, It's really cool. There's a lot of... I mean, you go back and forth and you hear a lot of rumors about this, but apparently like some of the names that have signed on for this, not only Al Pacino, but Adam Driver is supposed to be in this. The dude that played Elvis, I forget his name, 
But he is going to play the Val Kilmer character, and I mean, the, he kind of looks like Val Kilmer. Does he? Yes. I hope young Val Kilmer. Yeah, yeah. Val young Kilmer Val Kilmer. It's a tough. It's a tough problem. Yeah. So I mean, this is this is kind of awesome, man. It's it's Anna De Armos who played um, Marilyn Monroe in the movie Blonde. Austin Butler's that dude's name. They're rumored to be in this. Adam Driver, and I, I, I'm in. So if you're looking for that type of read, I mean, it's a, it's a one, it's a bank heist type of read, but it goes into a lot of who these people are as humans, right? Like what drove them to become this level of criminal, or what drove Hannah to become that's Pacino's character to become a, this level of detective and all this. And there's some really graphic stuff in this as far as crime that goes into some of the stuff that Vincent Hanna was investigating before he discovered this crew. It's really well done, man. It's a really, really interesting read. And I bet he had a good time writing it because uh, he had the characters in his head. Yeah. And then this just allowed him to uh, to take it deeper and, and really do the whole character development thing in both ends. Normally, you only get it one end. He's getting it at the beginning and at the end. Yes. As a matter of fact, man, when I when it finished, that's what prompted me to find out all this information. Because when it finished, I was like, okay, there's he's obviously writing another novel, because the way that it ended, it wrapped up a lot, but it also opened the door for so much more. And then I realized, okay, he is. I was like, all right, cool. Because like I'd like more finality with certain characters that you don't get in this book, but it makes sense the fact that there's more on the way. <laughs> no, it's uh, did, that's a good point. Did he add any new characters, or is this just the four guys? Um, it, it's, I mean, you got to remember. So, so I mean, Robert De Niro's character dies at the end of the movie, and so he's not in this only in flashbacks, and so he's he's like I guess half of it. The main two characters are the cop played by Pacino and Chris Chahirlis, who is played by Val Kilmer in the movie. It really, the book centers around them. And so there are a couple of new characters just because as they move through the future, especially on the side of Chris's character, because of where he goes after the movie Heat ends and, and the world that he ends up in is all new. So right. you can kind of go and take that. I don't want to ruin it because it is a relatively new book and, and I didn't yeah. I wasn't even aware this was a thing until... Man, I don't know how I came across this. I guess I had watched the movie on Netflix not that long ago, and I, I must have typed in Heat and was reading about the movie, and then I saw that there was a novel. I was like, what? Oh, my God. So I went and read that. Really? Yeah. All right, I'm impressed. Yeah, so good times, man. <laughs> it put, sounds like it. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Yes. If you're into that type of thing. For sure. And then finally, and this is kind of blockish, kind of Cowboys-ish, but did you see that Netflix is doing a Jerry Jones docu-series? Bro. <laughs> I saw that, and all I could think of was, are we going to talk about his scandals? See, and that's... The real scandal. I'm talking about the lady scandals. Because if we're not, it's all kind of fake. <laughs> well, and, and this is what I wonder where this is going to go. They bid $50 million for a 10-episode docuseries on Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys, which 
I've read they're comparing it'll be like the last dance because it's going to focus more on the 90s and their Super Bowl teams and all that type of thing. And Right, Jerry, Jimmy, Jerry, the triplets. Right, yeah, Jerry getting the team, turning it into a three-time Super Bowl winner back in the 90s and all that. Apparently, Amazon and ESPN wanted this as well. But I'm kind of curious, like what you're talking about, is it going to be, what can we learn about the 90s Cowboys that most of us don't already know? You know, I had a fascinating conversation about this the other day uh, because I was talking to a friend of mine about a potential book subject, and he said the same thing to me. He said, well, with that person, what could you tell us that we don't already know? And I said an example, um, let me see. What example can I use without giving it away? Um, well, let's, let's just keep it at home and make it real basic. St. Luka Doncic um, retired. No, let's make it better. Let's say Dirk, Dirk is retired, and Dirk came out, and right after he retired, uh, let's say the Boston Celtics had some injuries, and word got out that, hey, Dirk, they contacted Dirk um, to come play for the Celtics. And that was news in Dallas, okay? Okay. Well, when you go back and do the documentary, all the news coming from Dallas is, hey, Dirk decided not to play. Uh, Dirk said whatever, whatever, whatever he said. But that's all the news we ever heard about. And that's all the news that was really driving it because he was, that story came out two or three years after he was retired. But what you do is you go back and you talk to all the people on the Boston tip who are not involved, you know, that you didn't hear about. And you ask them, hey, how did this go down? How did this go down? How did this go down? And when Boston tells you its version of all the details and how it went down because it's been so long, then you can go back to the Cowboys and you can say, hey, well, what about this meeting that occurred this night where it was Jerry, where it was Nelly and Cuban and Dirk all talking about whether he should come out of retirement? Well, nobody ever heard about that meeting because, you know, nobody ever talked to the people on the other end. So you have to backdoor it. You have to bring it from the outside and bring it inside. And that's how you find out stuff. Yeah. It, that we all think that we know everything about. And if, if it's going to be like that, then okay. I mean, I'm going to watch it regardless, obviously, but. Well, think about this. Did you learn anything new from the last dance that you didn't know? Yeah, there's probably some in-depth stuff. And again, like stuff like that, and I probably would. I don't know that I ever, I mean, I read a couple of books more so on Michael Jordan than the totality of the Bulls franchise. Like the Jerry Krause stuff that was in there, I think I got a better picture of that. And again, it was just kind of cool to see some of that behind the scenes footage that I'd never seen before. And so some of that's going to be cool with the 90s Cowboys. You know, but that Jeff Perlman book, Boys Will Be Boys, was so in depth with what was going on. But maybe maybe there is some stuff that Jerry Jones that's not out there. And that's where I wonder, because knowing you and just having been in the Dallas media, I mean, there's stuff that I think some of us would know that a lot of mainstream people that don't have media access would not know. Oh, dude, there's, you know, I think I told you this story. I can't, I can't remember if we told it on air or not. But, you know, Dion gave me, I had this conversation with Dion at some point. I said, and the conversation was this. I said, bro, you basically allow me to go wherever I want to go, sit wherever I want to sit, talk to anybody I want to talk to, 
and there are still a thousand things going on with your program I have no idea about. Yeah. And he started laughing. He said, yeah, yeah, boss, that's just how it is. And I was referring to, you know, I found out something, but it was like three weeks after it happened. And I was just like, dude. And nobody was keeping secrets. It was just there's so much going on right. that you just can't, one person, you just can't keep up with it all. Um, I remember Barry Horn, former Dallas Morning News feature writer, one of the best to ever do it. Uh, he was given 24-hour access to Jerry for a story he was writing. Wherever Jerry goes, you can go. You don't need permission, just go. And he said he lost him twice during the day. Wow. Okay. <laughs> because Jerry's a nonstop mover. That's interesting. And, and stuff like that, again, I just... It, you know, here's this, the other thing, man. Is this approved like, by the Cowboys? Because if it is, none of that oh, stuff is going to be in there. No, it's approved by the Cowboys. Okay, then. Get. So then, we're not really going to get any anything. No, not nothing, nothing that nothing like that salacious that you would think. Uh, and here's why I figure it's a. I don't know this for a fact. I'm assuming it's it's um, it's approved by the Cowboys because you had other people involved in the in the in the in the bidding. And so a lot of times the final thing is, well, we want editorial control. Okay, fine. You can have it. Um, if, if that's the final thing, sticking point to, for us to get it over Amazon or whoever else was in the bidding. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they've probably got uh, final control. But, you know, the, you know, the other thing I was going to tell you, like, when you're doing research, you could read a 3,000-word story on Matt McLaren. And somewhere in there it says he likes to go fishing in his spare time. And in that 3,000-word story, that was the only line about Matt liking to go fishing. Well, then as you're doing research, you put that off to the side and say, okay, let me ask you about that because nobody's really explored that aspect of, of Matt amongst the things that he likes to do. So, Yeah, and, and I, the interest, the relevancy – about the Cowboys will will drive this thing. Oh, dude, yeah, that's that's why they're doing it, right? And, and a million people will watch this. And I do kind of wonder. It's hard to see because we're from Dallas, especially you, been covering the Cowboys all throughout. A lot of you know all this, but how many people that aren't in the Dallas area that aren't like diehard Cowboys read everything about the Cowboys are about to have their minds blown? That's a great point, bro, because one of the things editors used to always tell us is this is your life, so all the stuff that you think everybody should know, they don't know, which is why, you know, when you're writing stories, especially front page stories, you know, you have to say so-and-so who does this. You have to explain everything because you're getting a very casual fan. You're not getting your hardcore sports fan. And so you're right. A lot of casual fans will watch this, and so – it has to really speak to them. They don't know that he once tried to buy the San Diego Chargers and that he was broke and all this other stuff. Yeah, and that's where I think a lot of people, even if they get into, because we all know, and I say we all know, and maybe I'm totally wrong on this. I mean, if you read Boys Will Be Boys, you probably learned a lot. If you've been around, you've heard the stories about Michael Irvin and Eric Williams and, I mean, go down to Charles Haley and, I mean, go down the list of the, the characters and, the, and the, the crazy shit that happened, the White House, that whole thing, all of this that was a part of what those 90s Cowboys were, that 
maybe there's a lot of people out there that have never heard those things before that are just going to be like, what the hell? Right? I don't know, but I'm going to watch it regardless because one, what is new? And two, I always love reliving those years because, well, we haven't had them since. (laughs) No, we haven't. So a couple other things to get into before we wrap this thing up, but let's tell you about HFX Foundation Solutions. And again, a lot of the times in the summer with the extreme heat and the shifting of the soil is when problems will begin to develop. HFX Foundation Solutions, a full service foundation repair company. They take care of the entire DFW area. They specialize in slab. They do pier and beam foundation repair. If you've got drainage property problems on your property, if you don't have gutters, that doesn't help. They do gutter installations. They do it all. So if you're noticing cracks, if you're noticing those sticking doors, anything that might be a cause for concern, I would give HFX Foundation Solutions a call and I would do it right now. Well, this is all you need to know. Nothing makes your home owner, nothing makes the price of your home go down faster than you tell somebody, hey, I think I got foundation issues or I have foundation issues and it's a wrap. So none of us want that to happen, not in this economy. You want to get as much as you can for your crib if you decide to uh, sell it or you just want it to maintain its value and continue to escalate. So when you do decide to move it, you, you get uh, bang for your buck. Aaron and his crew over there at HFX can do it. We lovingly call it a colonoscopy for your crib. Why? Because they go all the places and see all the things that you can't see as a homeowner. So if you wonder why, you know, the grass is pulling away from the from the from the foundation outside, if you got cracks that are showing up in the ceiling, all that stuff, man. Just have Aaron and his team come over, give it that colonoscopy for the crib, that one over. They check all the hidden little spots that you can't see with your naked eye. And then, hey, if they do find something, because you've had them out there, chances are, chances are they found it early. And we all know what early detection means. It means you don't pay as much. So give them a call. Let them come out there and give you the peace of mind that comes from knowing that your foundation is A-OK. 817-770-0174. They're online, hfxfoundation.com. Do not delay. Give Aaron and his guys a call right now at HFX Foundation Solutions. So I wanted to throw out a couple of things. And one thing just real quick, because you sent over this tweet from the other day, and it's 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 basically just a, a flow chart of revisiting the Eagles trade of Carson Wentz and what they turned that into. They basically turned a quarterback who I don't even know if he'll be in the NFL anymore, into a window of Super Bowl opportunity because they traded Carson Wentz to Indianapolis and they got a first-round pick and a third-round pick. They were able to use the third-round pick in the 2021 draft, sending it to Dallas, who they used that pick to draft Chauncey Golston. Remember, that was a draft. Dallas went down two spots from 10 to 12. Because the Eagles wanted to come up to 10 to draft Devonta Smith, who obviously is a damn good wide receiver. Of course, Dallas turned that pick into Micah Parsons, so I'm not complaining at all. That was great. But the Eagles' first-round pick that they got for Carson Wentz was a first-round pick in 2022. They traded it to New Orleans. They acquired four picks off of that, two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and a second-round pick. They turned one of those first-round picks and the third-round pick into A.J. Brown. They turned the 2023 first-round pick, they traded to Chicago 
to move up one spot. They turn that into Jalen Carter, and their 2024 second-round pick hasn't happened yet. So essentially, all in all, they turn Carson Wentz into Devonta Smith, A.J. Brown, Jalen Carter, and a still-to-be-determined second-round pick. That's wheeling and dealing at its finest. <laughs> that is elite. Hell yeah, it is. That is elite. And look, those are all massive, huge parts of what the Eagles are all about and a reason why it, it's really, really hard to repeat in the NFC East. We're all aware of that. But it, until somebody does it, it's the Eagles are the, the class right now of the NFC. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And part of the reason is these moves that they've made uh, with the uh, – with their trades and with their front office, uh, they've been dominating, bro. None of this is accidental. They've put themselves in a position to win, and uh, they've done it with smart roster moves. And, um, dude, the drafts have been good. They just – I've said it, and I ain't breaking no news here, but I've said it for a long time, man. Organizations win championships. Now, you know, somebody come up and you can have a blip here and there and overcome an organization, Dallas Cowboys 1995, but – it's hard to sustain winning if your organization is not good. And and uh, the Eagles right now have a really good organization. They have a very good organization. Will it turn into another Super Bowl? Let's hope not. Let's hope that they, none of these moves end up in a championship. They got damn close last year. It's as close as we need them to be. <laughs> I don't even really want to watch them in a Super Bowl, to be honest with you. So hopefully that doesn't happen again. But the way that they've built that thing – Tell somebody knocks them off. I mean, it, they're the best team in the NFC going into me. We'll see what yeah, happens. The other thing I wanted to throw out, because when I saw this the other day, it was a few days ago, this just blows my mind. And it blows my mind because the Texas Rangers have had really good baseball teams in the past. They had really good baseball teams in 2010, 2011, in that little window they had really good baseball teams. I mean, I think we all forget how good some of those Rangers teams were in the mid-90s when Pudge was winning MVPs and Juan Gonzalez was winning MVPs and, you know, Will Clark was hanging around and John Wetland was here and they, they had really good teams. Never in their franchise's history have they had four starters in the All-Star game. <laughs> and that blows my mind that the Texas Rangers, who, let's be honest, on a national scale, really don't move the needle very much. They don't move it at all, bro. But somehow, and that's one of the reasons why, that when you have some of those teams that have guys like what the Rangers had back, and I go back to the mid-'90s because, I mean, man, you talk about teams... They were loaded in the mid-90s, man. And, and we all kind of forget about that because they ran into the juggernaut that was the Yankees in the playoffs every year. But, man, they had some dudes. And they never had an opportunity to have this many guys start in the All-Star game. And when I saw that last week, the fact that they have almost the entire infield starting, almost the entire infield are Rangers players. I mean, it's Josh Young at third, the first-ever Rangers All-Star rookie starter. Corey Seager at short, Marcus Simeon at second, and Jonah Heim as the catcher. That blew my mind. I thought, I, I just, because you can't get all-star starters without people in other markets also voting for them. Well, this is, the, uh, this is what happens when you win, when you have the best record in baseball or one of the top records in baseball. Um, 
you know, and and you've got some guys. Remember, you know, Seeger, Simeon, those guys were elsewhere. And I can't say anything about Young or I can't say about Jonah Heim because, uh, you know, he wasn't. But those those guys had name recognition. But when you win, man, this is what comes with winning. These are the accoutrements to the company winning. And that's why winning's important because all this stuff goes with it. It is. And obviously they got two more all-stars. They had the most all-stars of any team in the American League with Nathan Nivaldi, who is a pitcher for the Rangers. He's going to be an all-star. And then Adolis Garcia, who is selected as a reserve all-star outfielder. I just thought that was really, really cool to see that there everybody else around baseball also recognizes what some of these Rangers are doing because that just it just never happens like that. And, and obviously, in the last few days, they've kind of struggled a bit. Houston is now just two games back, and they're still 15 games above 500. They're not as hot with runners in scoring position, which has been a struggle for them and a frustration. But man, it, to see some of the people freaking out on social media that they're not any good and they're all this, I, I, who out there thought, like, I thought that they would get a wild card playoff spot. I believed they could compete for a playoff spot. I never thought they could win the division. <laughs> no, we all def- assumed that the defending champion Astros would win it. And uh, the defending champion Astros are starting to put it together. Uh, but, you know, man, the Rangers got a really good team. They're going through a tough stretch right now. But I didn't see anything when Houston took three out of four with them, they said, oh, they can't compete with the Astros. The Astros are a much better club. Uh, they're just, you know, it's only a matter of time until the Astros uh, dismiss them. No, I saw very taut games. And I saw, why did the Rangers lose three out of four? They lost three out of four for the same reason, yeah. if we're going to keep it real, that they've lost almost every game that they've lost this season. Unreliable bullpen. That's why they lost. Yeah. Support sports came in and blew one game. Whether he got the blown save or not, he basically blew it. And he had been one of their best relievers. And then Will Smith came in and blew another one. And he had been on a very good streak. And so without drawing too many conclusions, I take away from it fact, not that they can't play or can't pitch or they're not this or not that. I go to the individual and I go, okay, that's just something to keep an eye on. Are these guys built for pressure? Because those situations, playing the defending champs in time, in Texas, taught games, close games, can you handle the moment? And for some of those guys, it may have been the first moment. So now you got a taste of it. Now you got to see what is left. I, I put it like this. Guys at the gym get mad at me sometimes. I don't want to do 225 before I've done 205. They don't mind jumping from 185 or 135 to 225. Yeah. I go, dude, I can't do that, man. My brain just don't work. I got to feel the weight first and get progressively confident and stronger, and then I can snatch it, and it's like it's no big deal. But if just whatever reason, I got to feel it. So I wonder if these guys had to feel the atmosphere, feel the tension, feel the big game, and now that they've done it, when they get another one later in the year, uh, opportunity, they'll be more equipped to handle it. No, it could be. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes and what that's about. As far as the back end of the bullpen, the reality of it is, let's keep this in mind, the Rangers are aware of what this is, which is why they went out ahead of everybody in the market that needs bullpen help and traded for Araldus Chapman. And when I saw that Araldus Chapman had been acquired, because this is not 
dominant peak of his career, Raldis Chapman. But this is still a dude who can obviously come in and do some things. He's an arm. They needed an arm of somebody who has been in a lot of these high-pressure situations. Is he going to be, and they didn't even bring him in, I don't think, originally to be a closer. I mean, the guy hasn't saved 30 games in a couple of years. But you look at what he was doing for Kansas City before he was acquired by the Rangers and was still... You know, 2.45 ERA, it appeared in 31 games, was a solid guy, and they were using him more in a setup role than they were as a closer. Now, here with the Rangers, he may be forced into a closer role. I don't think that that's initially why they brought him in. I I think that they still want Will Smith to be their closer right now. Maybe it's a, hey, Will's going to close some, you're going to close some. But it shows that they recognize the situation and they are by no means done trying to acquire things. Nah, and I think, um, like, to me, it's pretty obviously, they pretty obvious they need another reliever, maybe two. And I think they need another starter. Um, you know, that's me. That's three pitchers. Uh, at least two. At least a reliever and a starter. Uh, I mean, if you want offense, I guess it, they can do better at the DH. I ain't really worried about their offense. They got plenty of bats. Um, they can get Mitch Garver to get out of his head and become better uh, DH than all their problems will be solved offensively. But uh, what they need in the bullpen, man, and I ain't breaking no news here. They need swing and miss, bro. Chapman brings that. Nobody else back there is. Sports has it, but uh, none of the other guys really have swing and miss. And in the bullpen, man, that's what you need, man. I don't need you putting the ball in play because anytime you put it in play, crazy things can happen. I just need you to sw- Swing and miss and sit down and uh, take a seat. Pretty much. Yeah, that'd be nice. So I'm not panicking whatsoever. I I think it's comical, the people that are freaking out about this. Yes, have the Rangers fallen off? Look, in their last 20 games, they're 9-11. and I get it. They still have the fourth best record in all of Major League Baseball. That's what people forget, bro. (laughs) This is not – this is – they are going to be competitive – not only for a playoff spot, they are in the the chase for a divisional championship. They are. Yeah, even, it, even if uh, I expect at some point Houston will overtake them. Which is fine. I mean, who in the world, but, even when they've been, they've been leading the division since day one. I never thought they were going wire to wire in first place. No, no. And so my point is, it's not over even if Houston passes them and takes a two or three game lead. It's not over. No. It's not, oh, my God, what's going on? No, you just keep playing, man. They got a really good team. And so, um, you know, it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of ebb and flow to the season. They're going to make some moves, and it's just a matter of whether those moves will pan out or not, brother. So hang in and enjoy, perhaps potentially, because I usually don't watch the All-Star game. I will be watching the All-Star game this year because four Rangers are going to be introduced in the starting lineup, and that's badass. Hell yeah. And I am stoked for that. And keep in mind, the fact that they did this this year leads me to believe, and the players do get a vote as well, which is nice, but the fan vote obviously carries a lot of weight. It leads me to believe that some of these guys are registering on the national scale. The Major League Baseball All-Star game in 2024 is in Arlington. Who knew? Which she did. Yeah. And so what's cool about that, obviously, is that it, this is a good team. If they get in the playoffs this year, 
There's no reason to think they won't have multiple All-Stars next year, which will be great when they're at home in their own stadium, which is always cool. So we'll see how it goes. I I hope that they show up and they perform. And I've talked about this before. I, I just... I always think it's cool when Rangers do well in the All-Star game, when the Rangers are on the national stage and, and perform well because people just don't think about them. They're not a national audience team, and I think it's cool when other people see what I grew up loving. I can't really dispute that, brother. Um, you know, they didn't get this much. I mean, they didn't. I'm trying, I'm trying to compare it to the World Series teams of 10 and 11. They had eight All-Stars one year is the franchise record. That might have been 2011 or 2012. Probably 2011. Well, it could have been 12. I think it but might I have actually been 12 the year after that second World Series. I say, you know, it's like the Pro Bowl. Some of that love starts coming a year or two after after you've already got it. And by then, they were in the consciousness of everybody because they'd been to the World Series twice. Yeah, because they had, they had a ton of dudes. I'm trying to think. I think that is right. Well, you know, they think that they make this information like super easy for you. But four, they've never had four starters ever. No. And obviously just having six Rangers in the All-Star game is pretty badass. But yeah, I'm trying to, I think I'm pretty sure it was 2012 that they had the eight All-Stars. And that's the franchise record. Yeah. Uh, But uh, dude, it'd be nice for them to all put on a show. And for it to be the Rangers-led contingent that uh, takes the American League to a, uh, to a win. Yeah, and that's, I guess that's what's so crazy is you think about that even back then when they had all those dudes, that you could have that many all-stars and you still did not have four starters, right. which is crazy, man. But that was the year, yeah, because remember how dominant that Josh Hamilton was and he was, he was actually the leading vote-getter that year out of everybody? <laughs> He had over 11 million votes, which had shattered the time. At the time, that shattered the previous record of 7.4 million votes, and he had over 11 million votes. Wow. And then you, Darvish, had been selected, so that's two right there. Mike Napoli was selected as a starter. Adrian Beltre was a starter, and Hamilton was a starter. So they had three starters in 2012, and that's four all-stars that I just mentioned. Ian Kinsler was an all-star that year. Elvis Andrews, that's six. Matt Harrison makes seven, and Joe Nathan makes eight. Yeah, so that, it was 2012 they had eight. Whew, that's a big number, brother. That is a big number, dude. <laughs> eight all-stars. And they couldn't get back to the World Series. Well, let's not talk about that one. Okay, I'm sorry. Look, if you go back-to-back years and you're one strike away twice and you can't win it, I mean, what do you want? Yeah, I feel you. It's what it is. <laughs> so there you have it, my friends. A fun chat. hope that you guys didn't miss us too much. We will be back. We should have a normal week next week with three three episodes dropping for you next week as we navigate some, some things behind the scenes, some traveling and all this type of thing. But we're figuring out, and I believe next week will be normal. So be looking forward to that. We appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you again very soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle, so you'll have time for healing and renewal. 
Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.